0: Sixty-eight hours after issuance. See b bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
2: It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast.
1: Oh yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker football podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday, of course, which means Greg Cosell is in the house. It's presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. It always is. And I'm just telling you guys right now, if you're watching us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, I am having a morning, which by the way, is also why I will not be able to, to go ahead and announce any winners this morning. I have no internet. I don't know what's going on. I pay for Verizon. I pay for Comcast. There's construction near my house. Can't even get the hotspot to work. I, I don't know what's going on. So I'm doing the show on my phone right now, which means I'm way behind where I normally would be. Haven't been able to pick the winners. So I'll pick the winners for Monday's show. Hopefully, I will have internet back by then. Lord willing, because this is very, very frustrating. You know what, though? Thankfully, I at least have the calm, soothing, dulcet tones of Greg Cosell. It's big show time. The big show. All right, Greg. So, obviously, I want to talk running backs with you today. And the NFL draft. But before we do that, and of course, you can check out Greg on social media at Greg Cosell. Before we do that, there have been, even recently, a couple of free agent moves, uh, veteran moves that have jumped out to me. I want to start with the Jets yesterday trading Elijah Moore to the Browns. We're talking a lot about the draft. And two weeks ago, we talked about receivers with you. If memory serves, Greg, I think you really liked Elijah Moore coming out of Ole Miss, and I, I do know that he did some really positive things, you know, his rookie. Year. I'm not sure what happened there with the Jets, but I know you liked what you saw from him in college and his rookie year.
2: Yeah, I did. I liked Elijah Moore coming out quite a bit. Um, I thought he'd be a good pro, and he st- still may well be. Um, I don't know what happened with the Jets. Uh, he certainly had moments and flashes with the Jets, but uh, obviously he was unhappy. Uh, and the Jets decided, you know, that they were going to to move from him. Um, they signed Nicole Hardman, who's, uh, even though his numbers didn't reflect it this year with the Chiefs, he's really a vertical dimension he can lift the top off the coverage. And I think the Jets were looking for that element in their offense. He's not a a, a volume target. He's not a volume receiver. They don't need that. They've got Garrett Wilson, who'll be a volume target. Lazard will probably be a volume target to some extent, secondary to Wilson. And they were looking for someone who could dictate and change coverage and blow the top off the defense. And I think even though I like more, he's not that guy. So they went with Nicole Hardman and that made more expendable. And I'm really curious. The Browns are really interesting this year with what they've done offensively. And it all of course depends on whether Deshaun Watson can return to what he was uh previously. And if he can, they have a pretty interesting offense.
1: Yeah, I I would agree. Both of them, right? I mean I, I think the Jets and the Browns are both interesting. In this regard, that's a good point about Hardman, Greg, because, you know, I guess I think Elijah Moore is a better player, but Hardman certainly does have rare speed. What, what do you see more fitting in, in the Browns um, in the Browns offense? It's interesting because they talked about um, they, they talked about the ability of his speed. You know, they, the Browns tweeted, We got more speed, M O O R E, speed. But I guess I looked at him as like a really elusive athletic uh, slot guy. Uh, but I don't study him like you do.
2: Well, I think in many ways he's everything. And when I say that, I don't want people to think that I believe he's a top five receiver in the league. But in terms of skill set and traits, I think he can do most things. Uh, if you go back to his college days in the SEC, he ran by people. He ran intermediate routes. He ran between the numbers. He caught the ball very well through contact for a guy who's he's short, but he's not small. He's competitive. Um, he was a really good prospect. There were a lot of people in that draft, Ross, as you may recall, who thought he could be a first round pick, a late first round pick. And I believe he went in the second round. Um, so, You know, I think ultimately, when you look at what the the Browns will put out there, he's probably going to line up in the slot more so than anywhere else because Cooper and Peoples-Jones will line up on the outside. They still have David Bell, the second-year receiver from Purdue, who's more of a short-intermediate, I guess, possession-type receiver. Um, So I think in, in the context of their offense, he'll probably get the majority of his snaps in the slot.
1: One of the other teams I wanted to ask you about, well, two things I wanted to ask you about. Number one, I think it's interesting. I talked about this a little bit yesterday on the Fantasy Feast podcast with Joe Dolan. But I guess I was surprised, Greg, there wasn't more interest in Dalton Schultz and Mike Gesicki. I mean, you know, people like to have tight ends that can catch the ball. People like to have tight ends that can be weapons. Schultz has been very consistent when healthy, and Gesicki, you know, I don't know. I've seen him make a ton of big-time plays yet, and I know the money is the money, but I guess I'm surprised at how uh, relatively undervalued they are compared to some of the other positions.
2: Yeah, well, let's take each one individually. I think Kiseki is kind of a straight line, linear receiver. He's not really a tight end in a strict sense. You're not going to line him up as an attached tight end and be a strong blocker in the run game. So he's essentially a detached split receiver, and he's good at that, but he's mostly straight line and linear. Um, So he can run certain routes, run them well. He's obviously got size. He can go up and get the ball, make contested catches. That's essentially what Kasicki is. So he fills a specific role, Ross. Schultz is a guy that was targeted a lot in Dallas. But I think when you study him on tape, you know, we live in a passing league. So a lot of receivers and tight ends get a lot of targets. That's different from saying they're high-level talents. So I think Schultz is a quality tight end, but not necessarily a high-level talent. Now, I don't know why he didn't get you know more years and a bigger deal. That I can't speak to. But I don't think he would be viewed, based on tape study, as a tight end you have to go get. I think in Dallas, because they were lacking at the wide receiver position, he ended up getting a lot of targets, and he did have production. But I think he's probably considered much more of a short-to-intermediate Tight end than he is as a as a true weapon that teams would have to game plan for. Interesting. A um, couple more I wanted to ask you about
1: the Bills getting both Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy. Now these are down the line guys, Greg, but I mean my sense is both those guys can really run.
2: Yeah. Well, I think you know we talked about the Bills throughout the season. I'm sure we did, and. As, as I explained many times to different people, their offense is really not very good. Um, and, and there was a sense that, boy, did they have a great offense. And, and that's mostly because the quarterback can make special plays. Um, but if you just look at their offense as a whole, it's not particularly good in terms of talent. So they needed to add to the wide receiver position. It wouldn't surprise me if they do that in the draft as well. And they needed to add a run game element. Now, they also signed Damian Harris. Now, Damien Harris, when healthy, is a quality back. Um, It'll be interesting to see, just in terms of philosophy, how they approach the run game from a formation standpoint, a personnel standpoint. Um, Will they play with more tight ends? Um, You know, they're a pretty heavy 11 personnel offense. You know, I wonder, given the fact that they did not get to where they wanted to go for the second year in a row, with a with a young quarterback, you know, and obviously he's in his prime. If they feel that they need to make some some kind of philosophical or conceptual change, we don't know the answer to that. Uh, they needed to address their O line. They did sign uh, Connor McGovern. I think they probably addressed their O line in the draft as well. So I, I'm very curious to see what they do. But it tells you what they thought of their receiving core when they basically when they signed two receivers.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Um, Last team I wanted to ask you about is just the Carolina Panthers. You know, they bring in Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders, and Adam Thielen. It's interesting, Greg. I mean, we all know they're going to take a quarterback number one overall, and it it feels like they want to make sure he's got some reliable veteran guys that he can count on.
2: Yeah, and I think bringing in Thielen was really a smart move in that regard. Um, really just a quality nfl wideout. i'm sure he makes that receiving room a lot better because now you have young players because you have terrence marshall going into uh his third year you have uh, Shai shy smith from south carolina who could end up being a a solid nfl wide receiver they obviously still have lavisca chenault who has certain traits that can really help um hearst veteran tight end uh you know, and they have a, still have young tight ends there, and Ian Thomas and Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. So, you know, they're trying to they, – they brought in a veteran, I think, to really help with the, the day-to-day, you know, get these guys to be quality professionals because they ha- do have talent. Um, it'll be interesting to see what quarterback they take. But, you know, they kind of covered themselves too. You know, they signed Andy Dalton and – you know, contrary to what people might think, I don't know what people think, you know, that's not really necessarily important here, but you can line up and play with Andy Dalton. And if they draft a quarterback that Frank Reich does not feel is ready to play, you can certainly line up with Andy Dalton, run the ball with Miles Sanders and and, and Chubba Hubbard, and, and, you know, have a consistent passing game uh, to some degree. So, and, and they've, they've, tried to restructure their O-line. They brought back Bradley Bozeman. So, you know, I think they're 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 moving in the right direction, and we'll see which quarterback they choose to take.
1: Let's talk running backs, Greg. Um, I don't know how many of them you've watched. Do you have a feel or a sense for the group overall?
2: I think it's a pretty solid group. I think that um, there'll be a lot of running backs that play in the NFL. Um And uh, overall, I think it's pretty strong. Obviously, the the top of the list is Bijan Robinson, who in many ways does not have a true weakness. He's a high-level prospect. He's got, you know, really good traits. Um, We don't know where he'll be drafted because of the devaluation of the back and the idea that you don't really play offense anymore in this league by starting your offense with a running back who's going to carry 20 to 25 times a game. So the question with someone like Robinson, who's really, like I said, a really good prospect, is does he need a high volume of carries to be at his maximum effectiveness? And, you know, that's really an open question, but he's really got good traits and he catches the ball really, really well. You can run him on any kind of route, short, intermediate, vertical. You can detach him from the formation. Uh, He pass protects well. So, you know, he's clearly at the top of the list of, of the running backs in this draft class.
1: Interesting. Um, did he remind you of anybody, Greg? Um, no, that's um, always a,
2: no you know, and, and, and you know how I do it, Ross. Sometimes guys remind me of someone and it hits me right away. But if, if that doesn't happen, I don't sit around after I watch a guy, you know, with my head in my hands and try to figure out who he reminds me of. So there's no one that, that he really reminded me of, you know, right off the, the top. So I don't have an answer for that, but I think he's – you know he's really good size he's 5'11 215 at the combine um you know he's he's got quick feet he's he's can stop he can start he can reaccelerate he can string moves together you know ultimately he's got the profile you look for he's got size patience vision balance fluidity he can change direction he's compact he's got a powerfully built frame he's just a really good prospect What about – do you have a a second guy that jumped out to you,
1: Greg, or that you really
2: liked? Well, it's funny because last summer I watched Jameer Gibbs from his season at Georgia Tech and obviously transferred to Alabama. And when I watched him last summer, the the funny thing was is I was watching him last summer, um, and that day at NFL Films, which was really interesting – uh, Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor, and Channing uh, Crowder came in. Um, they do that show. I forget what it's called, but uh, they, they happened to be in the building and they walked by my office. And I got into a great conversation with Fred Taylor about running backs. And I said, hey, you got to check out this kid Jameer Gibbs. I said, he. I watched him at Georgia Tech and he's now going to Alabama. And I said, he's going to be a first round pick next year. And this was you know watching him last summer. And you know, he's a little different back. He's not Robinson in the sense he's five nine and an eighth. He's one ninety nine. But this kid is explosive. Um now you, you mentioned you know, uh comparisons. There were times watching him run that he conjured up visions of Dalvin Cook to me. You know, just that explosiveness when you hit the hole and all of a sudden, Ross, you see another gear, you know, and, you know, you've done a zillion games. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You just see it on tape. You see when a guy hits the hole and all of a sudden it looks like he just put it into another gear. Um, Jameer Gibbs is that guy. Now, I don't think he's a volume back. The comparison that's often been made is Alvin Kamara in terms of, you know, not necessarily a volume carry back but he's a great receiver. You can line him up anywhere in your formation. Um, Jameer Gibbs, you know, in the minds of many, and it's probably true, fits the way a lot of people see the NFL now. A back that doesn't need volume carries. You know, one week he could carry eight times and, and they could be great. One week, depending on the game, he could carry 16 times. But he's explosive and he's a really good receiver. Who's next on your list, Greg, or who else um,
1: did you write up or watch uh, that that really seen, jumped I've out to you?
2: Max, I'm, I'm trying to remember who I've seen. Throw out some names to me. All right. I'll give you
1: some more names that we could talk about, um, including. Because I've seen a bunch. Uh, there's Zach Evans. There's a the kid from Pitt. There's Devin oh, okay. Kane, Zach Charbonnet, Ty J. Yeah, Spears, let's talk about Zach
2: Evans. Zach Evans, you know, because Zach Evans was another guy I watched last summer when he was at TCU. He was the first five-star recruit in the history of TCU, came there, and then he transferred to Ole Miss. Uh, Here's a guy, he ended up getting hurt a decent amount this year, and they ended up playing the freshman Junkins, who ended up being a really good player at Ole Miss. But um, Evans still ended up with 144 carries this year. Now this guy has pretty high level running traits. He's got burst. He's got velocity. He's got play speed. He's got contact balance. He can finish. Um, I think down the road, this kid could be a so-called primary back, whatever that means, you know, in terms of number of carries that obviously depends on team and scheme. Um, He won't start his career that way, but he's really talented. Now he needs to work on the subtleties of running the ball. He needs to work on his patience and his tempo, particularly in the zone run game. Cause you know, you know, the old saying, you know, it's not speed to the hole, it's speed through the hole. So he needs a little more patience, a little more tempo. Um, he hits the point of attack a little too fast. Doesn't have a refined feel for pace and his blocking scheme and the defensive fronts and how they move, you know, that he has to work on. Um, I would say that he's a little linear, like he's not necessarily shifty and elusive, but he's got great straight line speed. He's kind of a darter and a slasher, and he is powerful. He'll finish. So he's a really, really intriguing back. Uh, Another back in this draft, another Zach would be um, Zach Charbonnet from um, UCLA, um, who's He has started his career in Michigan, but he's from uh, California, went to Oaks Christian High School, which is the same high school that produced Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, You know, he's got the look and feel of an NFL back. He's just not he wouldn't be considered special, but he's got patience. He's got vision. He's got power. Um, He reads things really well. You know, the term I always use for the defense, Ross, because the defense moves, as you know. I mean, you played all line. You know, you look at the defense, and they're lined up a certain way, and the ball gets snapped, and amazingly enough, people move. So, Zach Charbonnet has a great feel for gap fluidity. He sees things as they move. Um, You know, his game is about short area quickness, power, um, runs with low pad level. He'll initiate contact. He'll take on contact. He's not really a take-it-to-the-house guy. Um, he's probably a better runner just in terms of the details and nuances of running than his physical and athletic traits would suggest, you know, cause he's not a, he's not explosive in that way. So he's probably a back that people will say, well, he's not special. Um, and, you know, guys like that usually don't get drafted high. Did you get a chance? I know they're a little bit further down the line, but the one guy
1: I, I call a couple of his games, the other guy, I saw a bunch this year, um, either Ty J Spears from Tulane or Dwayne McBride from UAB.
2: Watch both of those guys.
1: What did you think I of I really like Ty I'm J curious. Spears a
2: lot. Um, he kind of reminded me, again, it just it's it, that's the way it works. He kind of reminded me of DeAndre Swift coming out of Georgia. Um, I thought that uh, Spears has patience, decisiveness. He's got explosive short area burst. He's got accelerating speed. Um, there's a gliding, darting feel to his running. He's kind of loose hip. He's laterally agile. Um, I really, really liked him. Um, you know, I think he fits the NFL game really well. He, he's a good receiver as well. Um, he's probably a rotational player early in his career. Um, maybe he can develop into a primary back, you know, as I said, depending on team and scheme. But I really like Tajay Spears a lot. Um, I thought his tape was, was really fun to watch. And the other kid awesome. you mentioned well, was, yeah, go ahead. McBride, ahead. right? Yeah, yep. I watched him too. He's got really, really good contact balance. I mean, he is yep. really, really difficult to get to the ground. Um, and he has that look of a professional runner. Another guy that's patient, has vision. Um, he's got short area burst and balance both with his body control and contact balance, really good play strength. He finishes, um, and he's got extensive experience, both running zone and gap scheme. So, you know, the question is, what is he? Um, he was a volume runner in college and, you know, um, at UAB, big time volume runner. He had no impact whatsoever as a receiver. Um, And he's really kind of a methodical sustainer more than a big play back. And normally those guys in today's NFL are not seen as foundation backs. You know, so I'm really curious how teams see him. But I think his tape is strong and I liked him as a runner.
1: Your analysis is always strong, Greg. Check him out on social media at Greg Cosell. Love it. Thank you so much for the time as always.
2: Ross, really appreciate
1: it. Thanks. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Labatt Blue. Listen, Sweet 16's back tonight. March Madness back tonight. This is going to be an epic YouTube edition as I'm literally holding my phone up and looking at it. I am about to kill somebody, but that's okay. I just roll with it. You're not going to mess me up with my excitement for this weekend. Listen, You know what I need right now? I need to drink some Labatt Blue Lights. I really do. And live life to the power of we. Always enjoy it responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
0: Duck Stakes. All right, Ross. We'll start out with free agent, tight end, Foster Moreau. Found out that he has Hodgkin's lymphoma during a physical with the Saints.
1: Unbelievable. I mean, honestly, unbelievable. Um couple thoughts on that one is obviously first and foremost uh, my thoughts are with foster you know I like the fact that he's in his 20s and you know he just played NFL season so obviously he's strong he's young he's healthy Um, hopefully he has a good prognosis with this thing the second part of it is it's just remarkable that the Saints found this on his physical. You know, they found other things with my buddy and former teammate John Dorenbos. They found stuff with Nick Fairley, um, both of whom had heart conditions. It's just, you know, I, I don't know what happens. If Foster Moreau, Jack, isn't a free agent and isn't taking these physicals on these visits, do they find this out now? You know, do, if he re-signs with the Raiders, do they find it out? I mean, I, you know, I, uh, thing work, You know, the world works in strange ways at times, and I'm just very thankful that the Saints were able to find this and that Foster Moreau is able to uh, attack this thing and hopefully beat it, and I believe he will.
0: Tuck's takes. Something we talked about earlier, the Jets have traded Elijah Moore and the 74th pick to the Cleveland Browns for pick 42 after signing wide receiver McCole Hardman.
1: So it's interesting because, you know, I've seen some hints from some insiders. First of all, they got Hardman and Greg kind of already went over what he believes the logic is there for for them getting um, McCole Hardman. And which just taking the top off the defense. He also does give them, you know, the jet sweep stuff, some of the other um, gadget-type stuff that's nice to have. But also, getting the 42nd pick, I've seen some insiders hint at this. Could that possibly be Aaron Rodgers, trade bait, right? Now the Jets have the 42nd and the 43rd pick. You know, the Packers say they want a first-round pick. They're not going to get the 13th overall. But maybe they get one of those two second-round picks now that the Jets have as of this trade. You know, I don't know that that's the main reason or impetus behind the trade for the Jets, but it could certainly be a factor. Ducks takes.
0: Bunch of signings across the league. The Raiders have signed tight on Austin Hooper. The Texans bring in linebacker Denzel Perryman and Corey Littleton. The Jaguars signed to Ernest Johnson. And defensive back Jalen Mills re-signs with the Patriots for up to $6.1 million.
1: Yeah, I always got to be careful of the up to. What's the down to, you know? <laughs> Tell me the down to. <laughs> Tell me how low it can go. Tell me what the minimum is. I signed a... Uh, three-year contract with the Bills one time for up to, I don't know, probably close to $5 million. and I think I got a million of it because they cut me after the first year. So up to doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Let um, me say this real quick, Jack. I really like the Browns getting Elijah Moore. I really think that that's big for them. You know, to get Elijah Moore with having Chubb, with having Amari Cooper – for Deshaun Watson, I, I like that. I thought that was a really good move. The Raiders, it's funny. Um, they are like systematically, in my opinion, getting worse at positions, right? Like, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is as good as Derek Carr. I don't think Austin Hooper is as good as Darren Waller. Now, in fairness to them, they're paying those guys less. And maybe they, they're a better fit for the offense, or whatever, but they're paying them significantly less, both of them. But, and how often does it work where you, like, systematically get worse position by position and that you're a better team then? We'll see. Uh, Texas would be a little more aggressive. I like Perryman a lot. Littleton, I don't know what happened with him with his last stop, but I loved him. Uh, I loved him when he was at the Rams. And he goes to Raiders and kind of fell off. Uh, Dearness Johnson is a good number two there. Good compliment to ETN with the Jags. I've always liked him. Jalen Mills, I think, might end up playing safety for the Patriots. There's some talk of that. I thought there was a chance, Jack, he would come back to Philly uh, and play safety with that versatility, but he is staying in New England. Shoutouts are in order. Pizza Boy Brewing, Sporticulture, HumanHeadNYC.com, SteakhouseSports.com, Go-Bangles.com, Evergreen Economics, BackOfficeSchedule.com, never a bad time. You get a loved one, a gift from my story.com Never, ever, ever is that a bad thing to do. My story.com I guarantee you they will love it. Use the code RTFP10 so that my listeners, you guys, get 10% off. All the other shows are posted. Fantasy Feast, even money, college draft. Please enjoy them over the next couple of days. We have an awesome guest on Monday. Kelvin Beecham, the right tackle for the Arizona Cardinals, is doing great things off the field and made some interesting comments about Kyler Murray that I'm going to get his clarification on on Monday morning. You're not going to want to miss that. Make sure you watch Princeton Friday night, 9 o'clock. Boy, that would be amazing if they won. I think we're done here.